Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Trash Recap Podcast. I'm Joe from B1029. We also have Shyler from B1029. And this is a special podcast this week. So usually we recap some of the big entertainment stories of the week. But, you know, since we've had the Labor Day weekend, and for some, some people feel like summer's over after Labor Day. Some actually wait for the official end of summer, which is coming in a few weeks. But Shyler and I have decided that we're going to go ahead and recap some of the uh, big movies and uh, big shows from the summer that we all watched. And we also have a special guest this week, Shyler. We got my wife, Tanya, joining us. Hi, dear. Hi. Yay. <laughs> Yay. This, this is your first podcast, isn't it? This is my first podcast. Woo. So That's we go. so exciting. It is exciting. Yes. So Tanya and I have actually have seen these shows. I know Shyler, you've seen the ones that we're going to, I think you've seen almost all of them. So um, we're just going to kind of talk about some of the behind the scene things or some fun facts about the films that we saw and shows that we saw over the summer. So one of them we'll start off with was, uh, I'll tell you what, it was hilarious. I think I may have liked it better than Thor Ragnarok, but it's Thor Love and Thunder, obviously with Chris Hemsworth, uh, Taika Waititi directing again, also coming back as Korg, Christian Bale as uh, Gore the Butcher, the God Butcher, which I he thought I thought did a phenomenal job. And also we had the return of Natalie Portman. Now Natalie Portman has not been in any of these Marvel movies since Thor: The Dark World, which every Marvel fan seems to hate because it was so dark. But uh, it was great to see her back as like the. I mean, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it for you. But as like the Lady Thor, I guess you could say. Um, but uh, Tanya, why don't you? What, what were your thoughts? I know you liked it, but why don't, why don't you share some of your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I loved it. Um, of course, I always love seeing Korg in all of them. I want I want him to be in every single one of the Marvel movies where Thor is involved. But um, yeah, I thought that um, she did a great job, which I love her and everything. She was also in uh, one of the Star Wars movies as Padme, mm -hmm. I believe. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I love her anyway. Um, but I thought she did a wonderful job in this one. And I think that I'm with you. I, I feel like I, too, I would say it's equal to Thor Ragnarok. And it, in some areas, it exceeds past it. But then you have Thor Ragnarok. I mean, like, there are some areas of that that I thought were great, too. So I don't know. They're pretty, pretty even. Yeah. I have a question. Now, when I think of Natalie Portman, I think of Akira <laughs> Knightley, honestly, because they both, like, look alike. But I also think, like, she's very feminine, almost, like, dainty. How does that work with her being Lady Thor? Forgive me, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. On September eighth, it's going to come out to Disney Plus, so you can watch it then. I will. You have my word. <laughs> but I, I think that um, you know, obviously, she got she got a buff for this film, so she put on some muscle. In fact, um, her trainer did an interview, you know, around the time the movie was coming out, and so they trained for about five months before filming, and then continued to train throughout. So the total time they trained for was around 10 months. So for almost yeah. a year, Natalie's getting buff and getting the Lady Thor muscles going so she can lift Milnor. I don't know how heavy wow. the hammer is, but, you know, still. 
but um they said that they worked on like um like heavyweights and it and also you know building like the upper body they said three times a week also uh did boxing skipping running so a lot of cardio was involved so if if you're looking to have the uh Natalie Portman look it's going to take 10 months and a lot of a lot of upper body three times a week you got to no, work the, on your upper body the training was actually I'm sorry 5 days a week and they ranged between 90 minutes to 2 hours per session right yeah and they probably split it up between upper body 3 days or lower whatever however yeah. that was but she's also vegan so she had to really increase her intake to be able to build muscle and not lose weight. So it was yeah. a lot of work. I could hats off to her. I couldn't do that. <laughs> I'm looking at some of the pictures of her and dang, <laughs> she is cut. Her yeah. arms. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to get on that workout because so those you, that's some definition. <laughs> You're right, dear. It is. Yeah. So three days a week, they did, you know, heavy weights, upper body, boxing, skipping, running. The other two were dedicated to what they call injury prevention work. So it was a lot mm -hmm. of like Pilates, stretching, balance exercises. So yeah, five days a week to kind of split it up to, you know, obviously build muscle, but also prevent, you know, <laughs> getting hurt. Right. Um, yeah. But when Tanya mentioned that, you know, Natalie Portman's vegan, one of the things she also mentioned in an interview when they were doing press for the film was talking about how great of a guy Chris Hemsworth was and how he, he made sure that um, – because there was a kissing scene. So just to kind of make her feel more at ease, he refrained from eating meat during that time of that scene so there wasn't any cross-meat contamination during Bless the kissing his heart. scene. Oh, that, that's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I know. So that's one of the things that she was like, you know, this guy is amazing. You know, you got to put him up there with, you know, like the, the, the tier of cool celebrities like Tom Hanks. And that when you hear stories about Chris Hemsworth like that. Yeah. Being, you know, overly cautious and overly aware of his, well, not even a partner, but you know what I mean? Like his co-stars needs yeah. and wants that's really cool right i mean we we've seen we've heard horror stories of other actors and actresses that you know are just <laughs> complete divas on set and they don't really care about anybody else but themselves so oh i i just so here you go i just found what went into the workout regimen so here we go um this is the trainer again so a typical strength session for her upper body would include a good warm up using body weight exercises, bands, gliding discs. Um, and then they would also do a set of exercises, which would include supersets around a one minute stretch and then a one minute stretch set between each set. So one superset would be 10 slow reps of dumbbell, dumbbells, 10 slow reps of body weight offset push ups. Um, I don't know if I could do one of those right now. And then number two would be 10 slow reps of uh, dumbbell, dumbbell reverse fly and then 10 slow reps of dumbbell heated shoulder or seated shoulder press and then another stretch followed by 20 slow reps of standing dumbbell arm raises and then six to eight controlled reps of assisted pull-ups. Now, when you mean assisted, like do they do they basically just push you up while you pretend you're pulling up? 
know if that means that or if there's just someone there like with their hands under the things just in case that she needs assistance getting them up maybe yeah i i was kidding i because oh. like, just, you know, for for me you'd be like you're gonna have to push my whole body up for me to do a, a pull-up right now yeah give me yeah. a boost <laughs> yeah. here let me sit on your shoulders and you just squat with me while it looks like i'm actually doing the pull-up yeah exactly but then they also go into um other and then they do like a boxing and skipping round uh core work so yeah uh this was on variety uh so if you want to have the the natalie portman workout regimen it's there for you so that's awesome good for her i hope we, we hope to see more of her and uh -huh. not to spoil anything but make sure you watch the post credit scene oh yes always watch the post credit oh sweet it's marvel always. always have to watch it all right, so moving on to the next one. This one I think everybody saw at least once. I know we watched we we rewatched part one before part two came out. Actually, no, we rewatched the whole series, including part one, didn't we? Every time there's a new season, re we rewatch every season that was prior. So yes. <laughs> yeah. So after make sure it's fresh. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. after part one of Stranger Things came out, of course, there was a little bit of a gap for part two. So then we started with Stranger Things 1, worked our way all the way through part one to then watch part two, which I kind of think we need to watch part two again because part two was like two movies in one, you know, in a two part episode. Yeah. In a way. Um, but yeah, Stranger Things broke records. I'm sure people are still watching. There are still a whole bunch of theories as to how it was left off. So if you have not watched Stranger Things part two, we will try not to spoil much for you. Just beware. <laughs> but the way it was left off is obviously stuff's going to go down in the final season, whenever that's going to be. But people have their theories and such. They think that, you know, maybe Eddie, you know, Eddie Munson's going to come back. Who knows? I know Shyler's going to be crossing her fingers for that. I got uh, theories. <laughs> there are some some theories out there that, um, you know, we'll obviously see Vecna again. But in in what form, we don't know. Some theories suggest that Vecna is maybe uh, Eleven's dad. I don't know. Yeah, Dear, what, are you, what, are, what are your thoughts? I've heard that, but I don't think that that is the case. You don't but think? Then again, Vecna's I mean, I can see why. I can see how some people have thought that. I can see that after watching right. everything. When you play, pay attention to every little detail, I can see that. But. I don't know. Something inside of me is just like, no, no, he's not. But I, you know, I could be wrong. It's happened before. <laughs> now, Shyler, here's here's one theory that I that I've read is that Eddie may come back, but Vecna will be kind of like almost like I don't know, using his body as his. I have I have read that theory. I love that theory, while I also hate it. Um, it sets up a very emotional series for sure, which Lord knows Stranger Things is not going to shy from. Um, but especially because I'm I'm not into the D and D lore, I suppose. But I've learned a lot about it based off of like the series itself. I've just enjoyed learning so much about it and diving right in. And based off of the lore of D&D, &D, there is an opportunity there. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
I I could see that. But you know what? Remember when, when uh in season three, you know, that's when Billy, you know, kind of got put in his place. Yeah. And so then Billy became like the uh the 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 hot young guy all the moms were after at the pool, <laughs> and then he got possessed. Yeah, like and then the really, host. yeah, and that that became emotional. And then you know, kind of the whole Billy cool guy thing kind of just went away. And then with Eddie, of course, everybody loved Eddie. And then if 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 it does come true that Vecna then somehow inhabits Eddie's body, the whole Eddie that we know is not going to be the same Eddie in season five it's that if that turns out to be true which i think the magic right. would kind of wear you know wear off can you imagine dustin i'm sorry i can't i would <laughs> i would be a mess i'd be emotional <laughs> i was already emotional and i would be oh because gaten would do such a fantastic job these kids i mean give it up for these kid actors i mean they've grown oh, up amazing it's just it's so cool to see i mean they were talented from the get-go but their progression like they are going to deliver season five it's going to be incredible yeah and one of the other big things that came out of season five was kate bush's running up that hill that song was featured throughout the entire series and of course became a hit 37 years later when that song came out in 85, it, you know, it, it did okay, but it wasn't a hit. But it's almost like Kate Bush was ahead of her time. Because now that this song is out, I mean, you know, we've been playing it on B1029 constantly for the last several months. And you, I mean, you almost can't go anywhere without hearing it now. But here's a fun fact about that, is that in order to get that song to be featured, negotiations took about two years mm -hmm. just oh. to get that song hmm. yeah right yeah. yeah and fuddler had to end up writing an essay to kate bush explaining the importance of that song in this season and how it was going to affect the show so yeah. before she and would agree to it yeah, yeah. you're talking about Nora Fedler, the, the music supervisor for Stranger Things season oh, four. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, can you imagine that, you know, you're Kate Bush, you haven't actually done any music for decades, and all of a sudden you're getting hounded by the Duffer Brothers, uh, you know, Nora Fedler, the music supervisor. Like, we want to really use your song. We know it really wasn't that big of a hit, but it's going to be essential to what we're going to do. Right. And you would think as popular as Stranger Things is, I mean, it's taken over. I mean, I, I don't know of a single person that hasn't watched Stranger Things aside. Well, I don't know. My mom's even watched them. So. <laughs> but like, why would you even hesitate at that point? Why would you hesitate? Because everybody's going to hear your music again, even if it doesn't start charting, which it did for her. It was phenomenal for her. I'm sure she's loving, you know, the return. Yeah return on that one but yeah i can't even i i just can't fathom why there would even be that much hesitation to give permissions for that the yeah. only thing i can think of is that she is like effectively retired you know mm -hmm. so it's like did she really want to go through all that again you know she's 
kind of paid her due. It's like it's like raising kids and then starting all over with a newborn. It's like, do you really want to do all that again? It's like there's pros and cons, of course, but maybe she just wasn't completely sold on putting herself back in the spotlight. I mean, after that long, she's probably leading as private of a, of a life as she would like, or I guess that she, you know, had kind of planned towards. So, right. Yeah. That's well, true. You have a point there. Yeah. And, and the current, and now, you know, the new generation of people who have just discovered the song, you know, they're like, who's Kate Bush. Now, you know who yeah. Kate Bush is, you know, and for those that, you know, grew up around that time are probably like, I, I know that name, but it's not, you know, very top of mind, you know, it's not like um, uh, Madonna. It's not um, Hall and Oates for during that time. You <laughs> yeah. know, you're you're like, hey, but I know I know that name. And then, and so I'm actually I found that this was written back in July, July seventh, Fortune magazine, saying that at that time of July seventh, when when part one came out, she made two point three million dollars just in that time frame from that song. So I don't know how much she made when the song came out in 85, but I mean, just rehashing a song that's 37 years old, getting it played again. Now it's made two. I'm sure she's made even more since July on that song, but I mean, it's crazy. That is crazy. I bet that if she would have known that going into it, that decision would have been made a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> would have been for me, at least. <laughs> so, also another quick fun fact. So, this also took two years in the making. There's, obviously, they 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 started filming season four before the pandemic, but then once it hit, there were delays, so that's why it kept getting pushed back. But uh, the VFX supervisor for stranger things told collider that there was one scene that took two years to make and it's the scene where they do the they're in the upside down it's a flyover through hawkins and so uh his name is uh, julian harry he says to follow the bats over hawkins and then you land on the creel house this shot took us almost a year and a half or two years of making it happen changing the animation and there was plenty of time so we took such a long time to develop that shot so it was cool i mean you're not filming anything during the pandemic but you have this animation you got to do might as well make the time take the time to make it look good and i mean the visual effects that they do for that show are are phenomenal as well i mean they they we, we understand why it takes so long now for these movies to get made than say like 20 years ago because the visual effects are so important now and if it looks somewhat cheesy, people will, I mean, the average person's going to know. Yeah. So, and then you just tune out of the whole thing. I right. Feel like. It's a distraction. If the, yeah. if the, if the visual effects are terrible, the average, the average viewer's like, Oh, I mean, that, that is just a distraction. So, I mean, it's, it's up to these VFX team members to make sure that we need to make this look as real as possible and as seamless as possible. So it's not a distraction from, from the from the show or the or the movie of course so another one i don't think shyly you've seen this um i think you said it was on your your bucket list uh tani and i watched it I, and, and i didn't know much about it i've heard about i've heard of the sandman it's a dc comic for those that don't know it i don't know much about it 
But there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of buzz about it. It's been kind of like in the works for years. So finally, this series has hit Netflix. And I'll tell you what, for me, I was quite impressed. I wasn't quite sure what to expect going into this. Um, but it, it, and a lot of people have compared it to like a very Game of Thrones type of feel. Really? So, yeah. So I, I don't know, Tanya, what, what, did, what were your thoughts when we were watching it? You know, I don't know that I would, I would give it a Game of Thrones feel. Um, <laughs> I loved it. it. It's great. It's great. I love it. But I don't know that, it, I don't know that I would put anything in that, in that. Yeah, it's like, what does it make it Game of Thronesy? So, <laughs> I think where they get the Game of Thrones. So, the the, the Sandman has just a, for a little backstory has he, he is a um, almost like an interdimensional being. So he he he's the he's the king of the dream realm. So, like we hear the Sandman, you know, who's oh, yeah. the king of dreams. Okay, he's the king of dreams. He also goes by Morpheus. So he he his whole area is the dream realm he is the ruler of that so anything that has to do with dreams he's in charge of but then he has siblings which we learned throughout the show we have one of his siblings is death and there's actually an episode that's just featured around he and his sibling death mm-hmm. and then there's also desire and despair and we also see them later on in the show about like you know when feelings of despair or desire desire is very um, I'll tell you what, the, the, the person that played Desire, like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I agree, really, really made sure that he <laughs> lived up to that role. Um, so the, 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 I think where the Game of Thrones thing comes in is you have these, these realms that are trying to overconquer the other realm because we, we find out later on that Desire and Despair kind of have like this little secret plan over here to eventually try to overthrow the Sandman and take over the dream realm because they want people to have more desire or more despair. Um, also, I think there was another part also where some, I, mean, I don't want to give it away, so I'll just, I, I won't spoil anything, but in the season finale of the, of the series that um, something happened. And so the Sandman says, well, I'm going to have to do this whether mm-hmm. you like it or not. And so everyone's like, Oh, mm-hmm. so now you don't know. Is he like the good guy? Is he the protagonist or is he the, the anti-hero? What, what is he, you know? So yeah. you're, you're, you're kind of trying to figure him out as, and also I will say there was one negative thing and, and, and Tana, you can kind of comment on this too. Cause I know I, I shared this with you. I felt like this series or this season felt like it was three seasons in one. Yeah. Because the, the first episode or the first two episodes are kind of like an origin story. Oh, and then, and then you had, then we kind of find out who the, the, uh, the antagonist is. Okay. And so that I felt like ended kind of quickly. I thought, Oh, Oh, okay. That, that, that's over now. Okay. And then we have a couple of filler episodes. Then we get into like part two and then that kind of left, like there was some resolution, which then drummed up some new like questions. So I felt like the the origin story part was almost like that could have been one season, which then could have set up for a second season with the antagonist that we saw that 
kind of just ended. The antagonist. Yeah, think, Go ahead. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think they just condensed too much into a short space. But you know, now that you when once you started talking, I was like, oh, maybe I know why there's a Game of Thrones connection because oh, yeah. I won't. I won't say. <laughs> I won't say because people need to watch. But there is an actor from Game of Thrones that is in this uh, series. So well, yeah, there's an actor and an actress. And an actress, yes. actually. Yeah. I was just about to say, so I've, <clears throat> I've read about the Sandman. So I was like, oh, yeah, I want to, that's on my list of, like, that sounds like it would interest me. So I just looked up the cast, and I'm realizing that I accidentally saw, like, a TikTok, like, little hype video or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the one. I want to see that. There are tons of familiar faces in this show. Harry Potter actors. Game of Thrones actors. You got Stephen Fry in there. I love Stephen Fry. I am, yeah, I might start this like tonight. Sorry, I took me I'll call you tomorrow morning. Like, okay. I just watched the whole series. <laughs> I think I, we actually watched it all, I think, in one weekend, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it all in one weekend. Which we do tend to do that. I, I think we watched. We, Joe and I, had never seen, this is just how we are, we've never seen Game of Thrones, so we decided, oh, we're going to start watching it. And I think we watched all the seasons in, like, what was it, six weeks? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, we just, (laughs) over the weekend, you know, we... We don't just binge, we binge hard. Like, we do it right. (laughs) Oh, my God, the emotional toll that that would take on me. (laughs) Oh, I mean, we... Because I, I, as we were watching the Game of Thrones, you know, I, I told Tanya, I said, I remember people talking about certain things, but obviously never seeing the show, didn't know what they meant. And then after watching, like, oh, that's why there was such a, like, the Red Wedding. Like, oh, oh, okay. That's why everyone was just like, because I remember reading, like, the Red Wedding. the re- Oh, the Red Wedding. It's like, what, what, what about the Red Wedding? What was... What was such a big deal about and, and then you watch it and you're just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I remember when we were when we watched that episode for the first time. I mean, you're you're sitting there watching it, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. You know, and then and then you're like, maybe something doesn't seem right. And then just boom, it happens. And it almost doesn't hit you until it's happening more and more. And then you're just like, you don't know what to do. You're just like, oh, oh, oh yeah. Somebody like, stop wait. this. Emotional shock. <laughs> it was oh, devastating. Yeah. And you're you're just so shocked because like this one thing, and then I know we've kind of deterred from uh Sandman, but like with Game of Thrones, like there are no boundaries. And so you get attached to these characters so deeply. And then when you're like we literally take it on hard, so we invest, and then it's like you get so attached to these characters and the stories, and and then you're like, oh my god, I, I didn't see that coming. How could they do that? That's t- <laughs> oh yeah. During that episode, during Red Wedding, that's how I was the entire time. I was like, yeah, because I've never read the books, never had any kind of warning, and I, I, sh- I was like, where is the line? When's the line going to be drawn? Surely it's not. Like, surely you're not going to take it there. Oh, okay, you took it there. Okay, well, you're not going to take it to that place. You're not doing. Oh, okay, you did that too. Okay, um. What now? Like, what more? How how much more damage can you do to me? And then they find a different way to do more damage to me. Yeah, there, there is no line. 
They, no, they, there, there are no lines. There are no lines. Everything is everything is free for all. Yeah. So speaking of Game of Thrones, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up with with the one that we obviously it just came out um, here just a few weeks ago is the House of the Dragon. And is I've it, only is it watched the, I've only watched the first episode. Right. We've only watched the first episode too. And I'll tell you what, I mean for, for for me watching it, the first I don't know, the first half, I kind of I mean I knew this was a Game of Thrones prequel, but I almost kind of forgot I was watching something that was related to Game of Thrones until the one scene where I mean, again, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I think we're all we all know what scene I'm talking about when a decision had to be made, yeah, and it was made. And of course, in Game of Thrones style, it just you know, we just can't write it to where it just you know, it's Game There's of Thrones. No we have to do it in the most drastic, heart wrenching, gut wrenching way possible. And There's we're no gonna line. make you watch it, yes, very graphic, very graphic. And I See, I'm the opposite. When I first turned on the episode, it was like coming home. When I first turned it on, it's like, okay, I see the colors. I see the banners. And I I used to be so in love with Game of Thrones that like this is what I was waiting for. And I remembered, you know, this is this is almost 200 years ago, like prior to the, the events of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. So to have it set and see like in its heyday, because when we came into Game of Thrones, they are just coming off of a war. Like, this is not a time of peace and prosperity. This is, you know, famine. And to see it's in its heyday and it's all beautiful and glorious and to see these characters and you see, like, resemblances, it really did. It felt like coming home. I really liked it until it, until those scenes. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, I'm like, be hurt again. <laughs> Yeah, what are they gonna do now? You know, we we gonna start this all over again? You just gonna oh, blindside yeah. me with something? Oh yes. In fact, I've decided that I'm going to buy the audiobooks, even though I'm setting myself up for failure because you know he's not gonna finish those books ever. <laughs> but I want to <laughs> buy the books and listen to them because I want to know the story almost as it's unfolding. Like I'll try to catch up and keep along because I think. I'm already invested in these characters, which is yeah. a mistake, a yeah. mistake for me. Well, and I like that what they've done is obviously it's supposed to be set. I mean, the, the whole focus of the show is on that house, the Targaryen house. But in that first episode, we kind of heard little nuances that kind of go back to Game of Thrones. We heard uh, Baratheon, like, oh, okay, we know what Baratheon is. We heard yes. Stark. You know, you hear you hear them in the background, but it's not, you know, kind of like. It, a full-blown Game of Thrones prequel. It's focused primarily on this house that, of course, when Game of Thrones started, they were all rebelling against the Mad King, which was the Targaryen house. So you're kind of getting to see how that all got started in a way. So I'm I'm curious that as the show goes on, do you think that we'll start seeing more of the other houses like Stark, Baratheon, um, uh, Lannister, you know, are we going to start seeing more of those, those family members pop in? I think maybe a little, but I think this is just primarily focused on the Targaryens. Mm -hmm. I read that they're going to do enough 
to keep you um, like paying attention. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not going to make it super fan servicey. They, right. they, I mean, they said that they don't want to put a bunch of Easter eggs in it, so it's just Game of Thrones fans watching the prequel to Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? They're going to make it to where you have to be paying attention to appreciate the connections. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with both of you. I, I, I think that they're it, it was gonna it is gonna center around the Targaryen house, but you're gonna hear some nuances. You're gonna see certain things like. Oh, oh, okay. Now let me ask you both this: Do you think that, and at some point, whenever they have the the series finale, do you think it'll start to kind of butt up right where Game of Thrones began, or do you think they're going to still leave a sizable gap in between, like where Game of Thrones started and where House of the Dragon will end? I'm kind of hoping they leave a gap because I'm hoping for a few more prequels in there. And I think 200 years, that's a long time to span just with, you know, this one series. I mean, you look at Game of Thrones, you have the same actors and actresses from the beginning to the end. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that, you know, we have this and then it leaves room in the middle to build those other stories leading up to Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot to cover with A Dance of Dragons, like the book and, and Fire and Blood that's that's going to be the Targaryen family history. And I think since George R. R. Martin is so involved in the development and writing of this series, we're going to get some new stuff as well and stuff that's maybe not in the books right now, but it will be filled in later on. I really think that it's going to be and I hope they do leave enough of a spot in between because I don't know if I want to compare the ending or I guess I should say the ending of Daenerys's storyline to the ending to the ending of her family's storyline. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So because I think they, they did that so much with like, oh, yeah, we're foreshadowing and like this is what's. <laughs> If you hear the if you hear the crashing in the background, it's, sorry, it's, it's Shiloh's dog. <laughs> He's very excited as well. So oh well, yeah. good. I, We're glad. Yeah. I hope that they leave it up more up to us. Yeah, yeah. I here's here's my thought is yes, I think there's going to be a gap, but I think we're going to see it end with maybe the birth of the Mad King. Ooh. And then, Ooh, I, and then cool. I think we have another prequel that then kind of goes from the Mad King to maybe the Lannister dynasty. So how did the Lannisters get to be all powerful and, you know, right. where they're at? And then that story moves that along to where, you know, you got the Lannisters who want to take over the throne. You got the Baratheons, the Starks kind of getting in and on it. And you know, trying to start this whole thing. And we kind of yeah. get up to where, you know, maybe, maybe we see, maybe we see a certain uh, younger Jamie Lannister show up and uh, kill the mad King. Like it, how, how did he get his King? We, we know how he got his, we, we, we know how he got his King Slayer nickname, but will we actually get to see it? Hmm. I mean, they're going to bleed this cash cow dry as long as... <laughs> oh, for sure. As they should. I hope they do because <laughs> I, I know we will be 
watching every single thing they do. HBO, yeah, if you're listening, we have <laughs> ideas. You just you just contact us, and we'll we'll just keep spitting them out for you. We'll just take ten percent. That's all. <laughs> Modest. Yeah, I mean, we're not asking for a lot. We'll just be the brainstorming team, you know, yes. there to support the writers. Yeah, we'll, we'll sit in with George R. R. Martin and we'll 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 just hash it right out. It'll be cool. Oh, yeah. Just just make sure you put our names in the credits somewhere. All the way at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, all the way. I don't care if it's the last frame. <laughs> it's okay. I think you see the last frame the longest. So. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the Weekly Trash Recap Podcast. Uh, you can get every episode. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, and you can listen to them at B1029.com and also anywhere you get your podcast. We want to thank my wife, Tanya, for joining us this week. And for Shyler, I'm Joe from B1029, and we'll catch you next week.